Um, let's see, uh, Laura, would you offer our opening prayer for us? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this Sabbath day and this birthday for the, this country, the freedoms that we enjoy. Grateful those that have sacrificed so much that we can um, be free to worship thee in the manner that is um, in our hearts. And we pray that thou will lead and guide us through the times ahead that we will know and understand those things that we need to do for ourselves and for our families and those that we can help around us. We invite thy spirit into this meeting tonight as we study the words of Isaiah. That will help us to have discernment and understanding of those things that, that we need to know and learn. And we're grateful for Cameron and the work that he puts in to share with us. And we just ask that I will bless him and his family. We ask these things humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, well, um, just popping up these um, kind of slides that I had last time to kind of get us reoriented here. Um, so rebellion and compliance. The first part of Isaiah's structure was about ruin and rebirth. That was our first two weeks. And now um, this is week two of rebellion and compliance. Uh, first, we've seen the, the prime example of rebellion in King Ahaz. And now we're going to look at the, the second half of that, which is the uh, compliance of King Hezekiah. Um, so with that, let's dive into to some of that. What all did everybody learn from King Hezekiah's story? Was it something that you already knew? Um, was that something, uh, a new uh, journey for you, learning about King Hezekiah this week? I completely failed on you. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're, you're fine. <laughs> Oh, I, I think I learned again about miracles and um, you just need to be living right and being grateful and joyful, you know, as far as that and then have the priesthood to call up miracles. Mm -hmm. And if it's the Lord's will, it will happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... Some of the questions that I'm just kind of throwing out there to, uh, so we can kind of get Hezekiah's storyline in, in place here. Um, so who are Hezekiah's parents? Do we know that from, from Isaiah? I don't know. I've read so many things this week. I can't remember if it's in Isaiah or if that's in the second Kings account, but um, who is Hezekiah's parents and wife and children? Do we know any of those? Hmm. That's a pop quiz. <laughs> I, I, don't I, I don't do pop quizzes very often, but. Um, so Hezekiah's parents um, were King Ahaz, who we learned about last week. And um, his mother is Abaiha, uh, A-B-I-J-A-H. And she is the daughter of the high priest Eleazar. So um, we have uh, his parents and then his children, uh, his, his son Manasseh that comes out of his loins is the one that actually ends up killing Isaiah later on. So uh, we have Hezekiah sandwiched in between these two awful kings of, uh, of Judah there. Uh, anyway, it's just interesting to, to kind of note his, his parentage. Well, and then, mm -hmm. I was just going to say, that's what I learned this week. It, in fact, I just learned it today. You told me that um, 
King Hezekiah was married to Isaiah's daughter. Mm -hmm. And so that would make Manasseh. That's Manasseh is uh, Isaiah's grandson. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the one that killed Isaiah. I mean, that, that's really. Yeah, it adds a new little trick to it that I had never understood before. Yeah, uh, quite the wickedness on, on Manasseh's part. They say that Manasseh was the most wicked of all the kings of the southern, or well, any of uh, Israel. Wow. Um, so it's interesting. We'll see in between uh, chapters 37 and 38, there's kind of a lot left out of the story of Isaiah. Um, but there's some connecting tissues if we look at rabbinic sources and Second um, uh, Kings and Second Chronicles. Um, that kind of fill in that that piece there, why he marries Isaiah's daughter and everything. Um, but we'll tackle that when we we get into those those chapters there. Um, pulled up the wrong piece here. So in Isaiah 36, I would just like to kind of read through um, uh, these chapters. Hopefully we can get through all three chapters, if not more, but um, there's so much going on here that I think that there's just a lot to talk about. And so um, in Isaiah 36, um so who can can read uh, i know that uh, sometimes with ISIS and things that you can't really see the fonts very well and stuff but um if you can read let me know and we'll just kind of pass that around and, and read a few verses each um probably about tracy okay um so let's have you tracy read the first like 10 verses of isaiah 36 there I'm going to just read it off your screen, if that's okay. Uh -huh. yeah. Should I read the King James or the translation part? Either one. I typically tend toward the translation, but, you know, you can do either that's, one. That's what I like, too. Okay. <laughs> All right. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, marched against all the fortified cities of Judea and seized them. And the king of Assyria sent Rasha... Shekeh with a large army from Blackish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem, and he took up a position by the aqueduct of the upper reservoir on the road to the laundry plaza. And Elakim and the son of Hilakah, overseer of the palace, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the record keeper, went out to him. And Rakeshekesh said to them, please tell Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, on what grounds do you have with such confidence? Do you suppose that in war, mere words are sufficient, tactics, or show of strength in whom? Have you put your trust that you have rebelled against me? It is clear you depend on the support of Egypt, that splintered reed, which enters and pieces the palm and pierces the palm of any man who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who rely on him. But if you tell me we rely on Jehovah, our God, he is not the one whose shrines and altars Hezekiah abolished, telling Judea and Jerusalem to worship only at this altar. 
Come now, wager with my lord, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you're able to put riders on them. How then shall you repulse even one of the least of my lord's servants, depending as you do on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Moreover, could I have marched against this land and destroyed it without Jehovah? For Jehovah told me to come against this land and destroy it. It's interesting here. We have lots of different um, allusions, both within Isaiah and outside of Isaiah here. Um, let's see, where did I see it? Oh, uh, right there on in verse two here. So we talked about this last time with Ahaz, where Isaiah, when he was commanded to confront Ahaz, um, he told him to go to the upper reservoir on the road to the laundry plaza, which we found out is the Gihon Spring. Uh, it's the place where all of the Davidic kings are to make the, the Davidic covenant or that, that kingly covenant with the Lord there. And so um, King Hezekiah is going to the, the exact same spot, which I find is very interesting. Um, and then something that popped out to me this time here um, was verse six. It is clear you depend on the support of Egypt, that splintered reed. Oh, and it's important to see who's talking here. So this is, you know, an emissary from the Assyrians talking to King Hezekiah. It's clear that you depend on the support of Egypt, that splintered reed which enters and pierces the palm of any man who leans on it. And so um, where do we else do we see piercing of the palm? Um, we have that, that imagery of Christ and, and his suffering um, there on Calgary. And um, here it's talking about uh, Egypt, which is a splintered reed that's supposed to support, but yet it pierces a palm. And, and I find that that's interesting imagery there that he's throwing at King Hezekiah, ridiculing him with that. I agree. Yeah, anything else that, that stood out to anybody there that we uh, want to talk about? Um, and then verse 10 i think is also interesting um for jehovah told me to come against this land and destroy it so who are you hezekiah to be receiving these revelations from from deity when jehovah told me to come and destroy you you know like right, is your inspiration better than mine i think that that's very telling as we go forward throughout these uh different things uh, hezekiah definitely proves that, that his inspiration is from God, and he he asks for signs and receives them, etc. Um, I think that's an interesting phrase there. Yes. All right, I'll go ahead and read the next few verses. Um, it says, Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to Rabshakeh, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, which we understand. Do not speak to us in Judean, in the ears of the people who are on the wall. But Rabshakeh replied, Did my Lord send me to say these things to you and to your Lord and not to the men sitting on the wall with whom or uh, who with you are to eat their own dung and drink their own urine. Then Rabshakeh stood and called out in a loud voice in Judean, hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah delude you. He cannot deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in Jehovah by saying, Jehovah will surely save us. The city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. Thus says the king of Assyria, make peace with me by coming out to me. Then every one of you will eat from his own vine and his own fig tree and drink water from his own cistern. 
until I come back and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and wine, a land of grain fields and vineyards. Beware lest Hezekiah mislead you, saying, Jehovah will save us. Where are gods of the nations able to save their land, uh, yeah, to save their lands out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Shepharim? Did they deliver Samaria out of my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries saved his land from my hand, that Jehovah should save Jerusalem from my hand? But they remained silent, replying nothing, for the king had commanded them not to answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Hil uh, Hilkiah, overseer of the palace, Shebna the secretary, and Joah, the son of Ashoth, the record keeper, went to Hezekiah with their clothes rent and reported to him the things that Rebshakah had said. So that's an interesting interchange there too. I mean, uh, <laughs> how many times do you, I, we don't uh, experience this in our day very much, but um, that, that someone is, is coming and uh, speaking to us in our own tongue and, and telling us not to believe our, our leaders. Um, uh, when you say it that way, that does happen like all the time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, uh, in this uh this kind of a context, this magnitude, you know, I mean, we're on the brink of a Syrian uh, takeover here, and, and Rabshakeh is um, really railing on, on Hezekiah. But it's interesting to me that, that they, um, they are mute when um, they didn't talk back to him at all, uh, because they had been commanded not to, to reply back. And that harkens back to the Davidic covenant. You God protects the people as long as the vassal king is worthy and the people hearken to the word of the vassal king so when they um did not speak back to rabshika they were hearkening to the davidic covenant there and uh, likewise being protected in that very moment um I, I found that very interesting yeah the davidic covenant is a whole new uh thought process for me and uh I, i've never considered it before but now studying it i can see it in all of the different stories of israel and in, even in our own day and uh, that Davidic covenant uh, paired with the idea of the Sinai covenant uh, has just opened my eyes to, to what's happening uh, in all of the scriptures. I, I think that's so interesting. Um, anything uh, there before we go on to, to 37? No, not that I can jump out. All right, Mother, would you read um, Yeah, probably 10 verses or so there? Okay. When King Hezekiah heard it, he rent his clothes and put on sackcloth and entered the house of Jehovah. And he sent Elakim, the overseer of the palace, Shebna, the secretary, and the elders of the priests in sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. And when King Hezekiah's servants came to Isaiah, they said to him, thus says Hezekiah, this is a woeful day, a day of reproof and disgrace. Children have reached the point of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. It may be that Jehovah, your God, has heard the words of Rabshakeh, whom his Lord, the king of Assyria, has sent to scorn the living God and will rebuke him 
for the things Jehovah your God has heard. For you to offer up a prayer on behalf of the remnant that is left. And Isaiah said to them, tell your Lord that thus Jehovah be not afraid. That thus says Jehovah, be not afraid because of the words with which you have heard the king of Assyria's subordinates ridicule me. See, I will give him a notion to return home upon hearing a rumor and will cause him to fall by a sword in his own land. And when Rabshakeh heard that the king of Assyria had left Lachish, he withdrew and found him fighting against Libna. Now Sennacherib received a report that Terhaka <coughs> king of Cush had sent out to fly against him. And when he heard it, he sent messengers to King Hezekiah telling them, speak thus to Hezekiah, king of Judah, let not your God in whom you trust delude you into thinking that Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Syria. Right. So what do we see there? There's, there's a lot to, uh, of interchange just in those 10 verses there. Um, but we see that these uh, messengers that were speaking with, with Reb Shaka, uh, uh rent their clothes and came to King Hezekiah. And likewise, he rents his clothes, puts on sackcloth and enters the house of Jehovah. I think that that's uh, very telling for, for Hezekiah, right? Uh, he assumes the the throne very young. I mean, he's kind of a, a regent king with his father Ahaz for a few years, but uh, he, he's pretty young. And for him to uh, to instantly recognize that, oh man, we're in trouble, let's go turn to Jehovah. Sackcloth and ashes is, is a very important uh, part in that uh, humiliation or, or humbleness uh, and showing Jehovah, hey, we're in trouble please send help kind of a thing. Um, something else that stood out to me this time that I hadn't thought of before. Oh, um, so whenever it says, thus says Jehovah, um, if you do like word studies on, on things uh, throughout uh, scriptures, Anytime that uh, that phrase is used, it's, it's deemed as an oracle. So anytime that a prophet speaks on behalf of Jehovah, uh, they call it an oracle. Thus says uh, the Lord, or thus says Jehovah, our God, etc. Um, that the, the prophet is speaking as if God is speaking and it should be considered a scripture. Um, interesting, you know, how that fits in with Come Follow Me this week, too. Um, but that is some apostates today say that that's why the, the LDS church isn't correct because there isn't any more thus says Jehovah's. Uh, our prophets don't speak that way anymore. But um, if you look at it, they do. But the, the phrasing just changes every once in a while. And so um, as you look through conference talks, that's a, a very interesting phrase to, to really look for. Uh, thus says Jehovah or thus saith our God. Um, uh, you know, what we're reading 
is, is usually from a King James version or uh, an NSRV or an NIV uh, translation. And those things are, are just conveyed a lot differently through the, the old British way of, of speaking. And so um, looking for, for new interesting ways to uh, see how our prophets are speaking um, in oracles today. Um, but anyway, so we have kind of a back and forth commentary where it's like, thus says Hezekiah, or thus says uh, Jehovah, and before, thus says Senate, uh, Sennacherib. Uh, there's all of this communicating kind of third party. Um, it's never kind of face to face. There's a lot of dodging the bullet here. Um, if, if the kings would just get together face to face and uh, kind of duke it out. Uh, but uh, we don't see that. We see uh, this intermediary uh, process playing out. Um, it, for the good, it's, it's that Davidic covenant uh, third-partiness versus uh, on the evil side, um, uh, they're, they're cowardly and they, they won't talk face-to-face. Um, yeah, and feel free to <laughs> add any commentary. I kind of take over. I'm sorry, that's, that's no, one of my... my <laughs> because this is all pretty new to me and i've read the bible a couple of times but mm -hmm. i'm trying to wrap my head around it still mm -hmm. yeah you're totally fine but yeah if you ever have anything that you want to share feel free to jump in um so let's see so uh, taking on with verse 11 it says that you yourself have heard what the kings of assyria have done annexing all lands shall you then escape did the gods of nations my fathers destroyed deliver them did they deliver Gozan and Haran and Rezeph and the Edenites and Telassar? Where are the kings of Hamath and Arpad and the kings of the cities of Shevarim and Hena and Eva? And Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then Hezekiah went up to the house of Jehovah and unrolled it before Jehovah, which is very interesting. I, I love that phrase. I want to come back to it. And Hezekiah prayed to Jehovah and said, O Jehovah of hosts, God of Israel, who sits enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over the kingdom, uh, over the kingdoms of the earth. It is you who made the heavens and the earth. And Jehovah, O Jehovah, give ear and hear. O Jehovah, open your eyes and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to mock the living God. O Jehovah, the king of Assyria has indeed destroyed all peoples and their lands, committing their gods to the fire, for there were no gods, but were mere works of men's hands, of wood and of stone. And so they could destroy them. But now, O Jehovah, our God, deliver us out of his hand that the kings, uh, that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone are Jehovah. So what, what comes out of that intercessory prayer there? I, I think that those are some interesting phrases, some interesting salutations, etc. Uh, why does he approach it that way, do you think? Um, an interesting thing that I learned this week with the Davidic covenant is that, um, uh, yes, God will protect his people as long as the king is righteous and that the people hearken to the, the, inner, uh, the intermedi intermediary there. Um, but also, one thing that's required in order for that protection is that if the vassal king, the intermediary, ever hears word of uh, treacherous acts or uh, a threat coming their way, they're supposed to report it immediately. And, and I think that that's uh, very telling here. 
you know, I read uh, 36 through 40 how many times this week, but I never caught on to that fact until I read that uh, part in one of the commentaries. And, and now I see it right here uh, in this intercessory prayer. It's like, oh, that's what he's doing. Uh, based on the Davidic covenant, he's promised to tell the Lord if there's any threat to the people. Um, and uh, interesting how he goes about it here. He, he brings the, the letter and, and enrolls it before Jehovah. Like he's approaching a prayer. Like how many times have we done that? So put yourself in a similar scenario. You know, it's not on the brink of <laughs> a whole nation's collapse, but um, if somebody offends us and, and they're going to attack us in some way, do we bring our grievances to the Lord literally like as in a letter like hey this person offended me look at this letter that they wrote me and like how do I how do I approach this how do I do this you know sometimes my my prayers are very weak <laughs> compared to, to what King Hezekiah is doing here and um I think that we can learn a lot from his example in this prayer um he kind of goes through the um creation story there a little bit you know he he recognizes he calls on jehovah but but more so he's giving these alabanzas these um praises to him you know i know that you sit between the cherubim um i uh, you are god over all of the kingdoms of the earth you've created uh yeah, all of these things uh, i think that that's very interesting um like do we do that in our prayers you know, I usually start out my prayers with, you know, uh, dear Heavenly Father, you know, as if I'm writing a letter and I just kind of go into it versus how many times do I praise him in prayer? It's probably not very much. Uh, sad to say, I, I need to, to, to learn from that. Yeah. Um, I'm finding it interesting that you're calling that an intercessory prayer. I get why you are. But it's making me think, because I've only heard that any other time as with um, Jesus in his, Jesus's intercessory prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was Jesus, because do, doing a Davidic covenant in the intercessory prayer, or am I just asking a dumb question? No, what say ye? Well, I, really good there i as i think about it i that's what i'm i'm getting mm -hmm. yeah because that's what uh hezekiah is doing here yeah in gethsemane christ is is performing a davidic covenant an intercessory prayer on behalf of his people meaning all the worlds that he's created and uh doing something that they could not do for themselves there's there's harm and sickness and maladies coming their way uh, sin, transgression, etc. And he's offering up himself on, on behalf of them, but he doesn't die yet. Um, that's, that's kind of part of the intercessory prayer. He's, he's telling God that there's a, a problem and that um, he needs to come save. And, and then that's why the atonement's kind of two-part, that uh, on the cross of Calvary, that's when he actually pays the price and, and gives up his life kind of a thing. Uh, you know, there's there's kind of two parts of, of that. That's so interesting. I've never understood it in that light before. Oh. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. learning so much about this Davidic covenant. 
I, I mean, I've literally never heard it before Isaiah, uh, from Isaiah decoded was the first mention of it. And I find that it's everywhere. We just don't talk about it anymore. But mm -hmm. you, you mentioned that to anybody. It's like Davidic covenant. What does that even mean? We have the Abrahamic covenant. We talk about it quite a bit. But we don't talk about the Sinai covenant very much, and or at least by that name, and we don't talk about the Davidic covenant and its protection clauses, the blessings that flow from it kind of thing. Um, if anything, we talk about the Abrahamic covenant and the Ten Commandments. Those are just kind of the, the Christian's go-tos. We, we hit those all the time, but we kind of ignore these other things, which are highly important, I think. Yeah, well, I think maybe here's a good spot to talk about the Sinai covenant, the difference between the, that and the Davidic yeah. covenant, just briefly, because I find that very interesting. Um, from what we were t discussing earlier, that's why the people always wanted a, a king, is because it's the easier way out than the king has to do all of this with the Sinai covenant, uh, the people, if I get, if I'm understanding, all right, the with the Sinai covenant, it, all the people had to be on the same page and, and doing everything right together or that wouldn't, it wouldn't work this way. They can just have a King do it. Mm -hmm. Is that it in a nutshell or am I missing something? Yeah, yeah, I think that's basically it right there. So um, I'm kind of reading some little snippets from the literary message of Isaiah from Avraham Gileadi. Um, he talks about, uh, I'm, I'm going to be kind of bouncing around a little bit, but um, some of these snippets from the Sinai Covenant are very interesting. He talks about um, this movement that we're talking about here with King Hezekiah. Um, and uh, well, kind of prior to David, um, the Jehovah's people were obliged to keep the terms of the Sinai covenant in order to obtain Jehovah's protection. So the, it, he says that it's a more difficult covenant to keep because the protection clause in the Sinai covenant operates only if all Israel as Jehovah's vassal maintains loyalty toward him. So even if one person disobeys, the whole crew has to, to assume the covenant curses or or be um, uh, killed off kind of a thing. And so the, the Sinai covenant requires loyalty of the entire people. And we see that throughout Moses in the wilderness, etc. cetera. Um, one time that they were in war and one of the guys uh, uh, got some, uh, what do I want to call it? The spoils of war. Yeah. Uh, took the spoils of war and they had to figure out who it was so that they could root them out and stone them so that all of the camp could then get back in God's good graces. Now we take a look at that and go, whoa, that is an angry God. You know, like, why would he do that? Why would he have us uh, stone people or anything like that? But it's because they, they themselves entered into the Sinai covenant and agreed to its terms. And that was one of the terms. But then on the flip side, he describes the difference between the two covenants very succinctly here. I think that's interesting. Um, it says that so far as Israel's divine protection is concerned, the Davidic covenant succeeds the Sinai covenant 
but only because Israel has regressed in its loyalty toward Jehovah. The Davidic covenant is thus a lesser covenant than the Sinai covenant for the people. Less is required of them in order to obtain Jehovah's protection. But for the king, on the other hand, the Davidic covenant is a greater covenant than the Sinai covenant because more is required of him in order to obtain Jehovah's protection for his people. Uh, he is answerable for their loyalties and disloyalties toward the, uh, the emperor king or the, uh, to, to, to God in this case. Um, anyway, I found that very interesting, uh, this dichotomy between the Sinai covenant and the Davidic covenant. Sinai is as a group. It's the national covenant. If you've ever read uh, Tim Ballard's books um, about like the Lincoln hypothesis, Washington hypothesis, Pilgrim hypothesis, he talks a lot about the national covenant that has been broken here in the United States and how we're uh, reaping the, the covenant curses of that. He's talking about the Sinai covenant that George Washington entered into and um, because he very much did he enacted the entire thing and laid out its stipulations and we've broken that uh, quite a few times throughout our nation's history um, but the second the davidic covenant is is something that happened much later in israel's history when the, the tribes had split and this king david enters into a davidic covenant to save his people and uh, less is required of the people um, but the king intercedes on behalf so that they can still receive that protection. And anyway, in, in a nutshell, that it, it, it's taken me a long time to even be able to speak that coherently. But um, it, it takes a lot of study into the Davidic Covenant and what that means and what that looks like in the future um, when we start playing out these exact same scenarios in um, leading up to the second coming. The Davidic covenant is going to be crucial as we um, look at the, like, the sun servant and seraphim level of the ladders. They enacted Davidic covenants on behalf of the people. That's what it means to become kings and queens to the Gentiles. Uh, he has a whole book, Abraham Gileadi has a whole book just on, on that principle alone, becoming kings and queens, actually rising up and, and doing that. Sorry, I, I talk way too much, <laughs> but but yeah, mom, like you were saying, that's that's what's playing out here in, in chapter thirty-seven. Emma, did you read that book, Kings and Queens? Uh huh. I'm I'm about halfway through it. My mom read it, but she read it before Isaiah decoded, and she's like, uh, it's kind of it's kind of deep. It's kind of hard, but uh, mm -hmm. now that we have a lot of these principles down, I, I think it's uh, mm -hmm. very crucial. Do I have it here? Interesting. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. Can you see my screen when I'm screen sharing? Anyway, yeah, I'm holding up the book. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, Becoming Kings and Queens. It's just a tiny little book, um, but it goes through Davidic Covenant and all that kind of stuff and explains it very well in there. I'm about halfway through it now and oh, it's just blowing my mind. <laughs> all of the stuff that we just have never put together from the scriptures before, I think is so intriguing. Well, it talks about that in the temple too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it talks about it in the temple. When I went back um a couple of weeks ago i was like oh man every single ordinance every single prayer is talking about the davidic covenant i've just never seen it before because i didn't know what i was looking for um it was so fun to go back to the temple and, and really get that <laughs> right i'm excited yeah have you, have you done ceilings yet because that changed uh-huh yeah do you mean like the, the wording and stuff changed or just how they uh, the wording it? changed? The wording changed. 
yeah. Yeah, there's some some interesting uh, stuff everywhere. Uh, when I went back and did initial stories, they those had changed, but now my mom went after me and she said that they changed back. Like before, with you know, COVID restrictions and stuff, they they had taken out all of the curtains in the initiatory, etc. Um, but now uh, she said that those were all back here in the Twin Falls one anyway. Um, anyway, there's just oh, really yeah, it was very interesting not to have curtains and to have the whole prayer done by one person uh, all the way through. Uh, I thought that was a super fun way to to experience it, even if I just got to experience it that one time. Right, that's interesting. Yeah. Did, and did the wording change or no? That one, there's there's a couple of words that changed in that one, but in, in the ceiling, you know, it's definitely changed. It changed along with the endowment um, when they did all of those major changes, um, you know, with like Eve's soliloquy, et cetera. Um, there's uh, some of that, that wording was pulled there and, and put into the ceiling. Uh, ordinance. So our temple was closed and um, it was only open for like six months. So I was able to go every week for six months. But before that, I hadn't been for two years. Well, two years. Because um, we had to drive four hours each way. Oh, man. <laughs> right? So um, I'm excited. Our temple opens next week. And I'm excited. So have you got the new endowment before? Um, the new one. So like since uh, yeah, that's more like, a, like, a, like more, more like a PowerPoint than a, a video. Is that what you mean? Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah, the different, very, yeah, there's different other different things too. I guess that's the only way I've heard someone else talk about it. So I thought that was okay to say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because they had to change it all of the wording, and they had to do a lot of uh, languages all at once, and so they just kind of took the old videos and then made them kind of more like a PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah. Right. Interesting. I'm pretty excited to um, mm -hmm. be able to go to a ceiling. I went to my sister friends in Utah in October to her ceiling, and that's how I was able to see the, the difference. Because mm -hmm. um, I remember, I you know, I remember that prayer. That's. I know it makes it really hard to be a witness, though, because you're like, well, I don't know if you're saying it right because I don't have the cue card in front of me. I don't. I had the old one memorized, and so I could you know, kind of tell if the, the sealer was, was getting off in his wording or anything, but now I'm like, I don't okay. know. <laughs> they don't have the cards out for you? <laughs> I, they, they didn't with COVID and stuff. I don't know. Uh, I should just ask, you know, it never hurts to ask. Hey, can I just look at the card real quick? <laughs> right. Interesting. Um, let's see. So I have a question on the... You know, when we do establish the Zion in its fullness um, before he comes and stuff, and we are one, and will we be do, uh, doing the Sinai covenant at that point? Uh -huh. It depends what group of people you're talking about. If you're talking about our nation, probably not. Oh. And no, the, not not our nation. The no, actual city of Zion. Yeah. Yeah, the so. city of Zion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think even our tent cities or cities of light and stuff will be enacting the Sinai covenant on behalf oh. of their people. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When we actually are called up, well, you know, this is my opinion. Don't like quote me on this. <laughs> but um, I think that uh, 
um, our, our cities of light, our, our tent cities, whatever you want to call it, um, we're going to be actually called up as kings and queens and uh, expected to enact Davidic covenants on behalf of our people and, and help them enter into Sinai level covenants as well. I think that that's what will form the protection the, um, from, from the invading armies or the, the Gadiant robber bands kind of thing that are uh, going around killing. I think that that's going to be huge for us. But, you know, that's my opinion. I don't know. <laughs> interesting. It's interesting that Kambalami was talking a little bit about um, Zion and the, this, this last week, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. The disappointment in what Zion was. <laughs> that one. Yeah, I totally yeah. wish I could, I, could, I could talk better. But um, I was like, wow. <laughs> Look, he was, what is his name? Oh my goodness. And we said his name like a hundred times. Anyway. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, sometimes that's what like really holds me back in like commenting in church and stuff. I'm like, okay, how do I boil it down to its essentials for a general audience, but yet still say something that, that the spirit is kind of teaching me right now in my own life. And it's uh, like, yeah, I, I'm just not going to comment. <laughs> I did that today and oh my goodness there's only one other person that was with me but they were like we should pray for rain for this drought and I <laughs> I raised my hand I said I think we should pray that for repentance yeah <laughs> and they all looked at me like I was an alien <laughs> the lady elbow bumped me and I'm like oh my goodness but yeah, if we learn anything from the scriptures and from the, the yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, it goes over. Drought comes because of sin. Uh, of Witness, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, I don't know, you guys all might have to come and get me and my friend here in Oregon. <laughs> so I found another sister. Um, she gave a talk last week. Um, she was in the Paradise Fire, and she totally gets it. And, it. and she talked about it in the talk, about how we need to listen. You know, like, it was all there. Uh -huh. and come up and asked her about the fire they didn't even ask about anything else <laughs> I was like you, missed, you just like totally missed this yeah yeah it's very interesting how well that plays out yeah it, like you said Laura I sometimes just have a hard time even getting things out I'm, I'm not eloquent and you know all of the the people on the book club are patient with me because I, I just like rattle and spew things out and sometimes don't explain myself but um yeah it sometimes I, I feel like some of the you know, the, the people in the scriptures, they're like, how am I going to, you know, fulfill a mission or anything like that? Like, I, I'm, uh, how do you say it in English? Uh, I'm backwards of speech or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, I have such a hard time putting together words most of the time. <laughs> well, and then when I'm with, with other people, my tongue is just stopped. Like, I have it in my head and then, then or is this out of my head? It's gone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, apparently weren't ready for it or who knows what but right? it's weird because sometimes you'll get promptings to, to say something but then when you actually go to say it it's like your tongue is, is stopped and you're like so is that my fault or their fault or <laughs> i don't know but <laughs> i lost it sorry <laughs> wow everybody's pretty excited about getting back to normal Oh man, yeah, we're <laughs> we've been back to normal for a while now, but it's even getting more so exciting. Because like our temple doesn't even restrict how many people anymore or anything like that. It's just you still have to do reservations. That's the only thing. 
So are you, are you, I think that's a permanent thing too, because it's on our phones, but are you feeling like life is going to get back to normal or things are going to get more difficult? Oh, no. Yeah, I think this is the, <laughs> the quiet before the storm, just a, a little lull to help us kind of get back to the temple and, and look at, hey, I gave you a year break and to think about things. Did you learn anything? Where are you at? Kind of reassess your life before we head right back into it kind of thing. That's the way I feel, but I don't know. I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, you know. I know everybody's like really excited, like, oh, it's finally over. You know, life can go back to, to the old normal. And I'm like, it's all right. Well, you know? Yeah. When, when the Civil War breaks out and everything, we'll, we'll see <laughs> how that plays out. So, do you have a lot more to cover? Because I have a really interesting thing to share, but I don't want to. No, it. go for it. Yeah, I was just going to continue like reading and stuff, but you know, that's all good. Open to whatever. So, uh, um, I don't know if you, any of you are on the Gathering of Israel and the, the Friday fasting. I'm not, because I have So, um, one of the sisters asked if I could, um, like, moderate once a week a, a weekly fast. And so, we do it on Fridays, and she wanted to tie it into Come Follow Me. So, I tie it in. And I've kind of done like a daily fast and not just a Friday fast. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to be, I don't have hunger pains anymore. Interesting. Yeah. So to be on top of, you know, thinking about that, the law of the fast, and I understand that it ties in with fast offerings enough, but to be able to, to give up that physical part and not have hunger pains. And I think that that's just preparing for the future. There's going to be times that, you know, we're going to be a little hungry and if that is something I can, I can get on top of and, and if I start feeling lightheaded or I feel hungry, I can say a prayer and it's gone. I mean, it's just such a blessing, just that testimony builder of, of the fast. Mm -hmm. So how would you say that the, the daily fast works for you? Like uh, just from like evening till morning, like when you're sleeping or like you're just fasting all day or, or uh, doing like, no, I usually won't eat until after 11. So I'll eat okay. my my dinner like at six and I won't any, eat anything until the next morning after after the lunch and then I won't have anything until dinner again mm -hmm. but it's interesting that we're and I don't feel like I want to I don't have any cravings like I gotta have this I gotta have that I don't have any cravings which is beautiful um and I've stayed away from this has been a long time like McDonald's or those mm -hmm. I don't I I don't know more unpure kind of things I don't know if I go out to dinner, it's somewhere that I know that they're cooking it and it's, it's food. <laughs> I know that uh -huh. it, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I don't, I don't want this to sound like bragging, but I just wanted just to put that idea out there that it's something that, that we can do. And I know that we'll be taking care of other people, my family, and, you know, I may have to give my morsel of bread over and I think I'll be fine with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very interesting principle. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Um, like when I work construction, you know, I'm just down in water like crazy, but I kind of a prompting, but kind of not. It was just kind of something that I did. So I don't know that I'm probably uh, taking away credit from the Lord from prompting me, but I, I kind of skip breakfast and I find that I'm less hungry by the time lunch rolls around. But when I eat breakfast, I'm hungry all morning until lunch. Yeah, like, all I day, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and so when I skip breakfast and everything, but um, uh, now that you're saying this and like a, a daily fast kind of thing, when I was on my mission, when I learned the 
the word for breakfast was desayuno, which means to break one's fast. I was like, oh, it's the same in English. I just never caught on. It was like, <laughs> how did I never, <laughs> how did I never catch that breakfast was actually breaking a fast? Oh, that makes so much sense. But if we're just fasting without a prayer and a purpose and, and all that, then it's just starvation. It's not mm -hmm. fasting. And so it's like, oh, well, now I need to take this, this inspiration to, to skip breakfast and actually do it purposely with prayer. Like I can fast for, for daily things and stuff like that. But I'm so glad to like hear another perspective on it that somebody's actually trying this and, and uh, you know, uh, getting over those cravings. So just personal opinion, what, what do you think about like Jesus or Moses fasting in the wilderness for, for 40 days? Do you think that it was a continuous fast or was it just kind of a daily fast where, you know, they, they were able to eat certain things, but it was just a, a fast where they were able to pray away their hunger pains, et cetera. But, you know, kind of an intermittent fasting principle ish. So I never really caught on to Moses having a 40 day fast, but I would probably think that he still had to eat because he's mortal. Mm -hmm. but jesus i always took that as literally mm -hmm. so i'm not sure i'll have to think about yeah, that long fast yeah it's very interesting i've been thinking about those, those mm -hmm. two principles lately but we have lots of different examples of of saints pioneer era saints that uh went uh, many days without food um although like water sometimes isn't included in fasting um it's kind of interesting which biblical accounts or which pioneer accounts uh, include water in it but um, just to kind of sustain life in that way, but actual food and those cravings and because food's more of the, the mortal bread kind of a thing. I don't know. I, my brain goes lots of different. <laughs> don't get so excited about thinking that this might be a way to lose weight because that isn't happening. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, look at me. <laughs> no, I'm working construction out in the hot beef, but I'm not losing weight. <laughs> well, that isn't the purpose of it. And, um, and I was surprised that I hadn't lost weight Mm -hmm. because I've cut you know cut down but I don't know it just seemed to maintain and I I don't need more mm -hmm. and I, I kind of think that that is just really a blessing just for the future to know that this yeah. is what I can do I'm not going to panic mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of why I don't panic about food storage it's because it's like well I don't think I'm actually going to be the recipient of this food storage I think that's going to be shared with other people I'm going to be doing other things maybe or something but I've never felt that food storage is my own and that's why I don't really panic it's just like I'm just hoarding it all up but yeah. <laughs> it'll bless somebody and, else. and I, I feel like that we have made food a god mm -hmm. yeah for sure it, it's very much an idolatrous principle to, to many you, you look at the recipe or the cooking shows or whatever I mean it's so elaborate do you really need to do all that to your food I mean really how many <laughs> times do you have to chop that cucumber before you have to eat it just eat it <laughs> I, <love it>. yep. <laughs> I, I hope that I come over as bragging because I didn't want it to sound like that at all. Oh no, you're totally fine. Um, yeah, let me pull up uh, verse 21 here. Mom, would you read um, a few verses and stuff? I got somebody at the door real quick. Sorry. <laughs> Look, you didn't give it to you. Yeah, it, it didn't come up. I I don't have it before me here. It's like, wait a minute, I'll get it for you. 
Okay, now where did we leave off at? He said 21. 21. So 21 there? Yeah. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent word to Hezekiah saying, Thus says Jehovah, the God of Israel, because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is what Jehovah has spoke against him. The virgin daughter of Zion holds you in contempt. She laughs you to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem shakes her head at you. Whom have you mocked and ridiculed? Against whom have you raised your voice, lifting your eyes to high heaven against the Holy One of Israel? By your servants, you have blasphemed my Lord. You thought on account of my vast. What is that word? Sheratry? Sheratry? What is that? Because I have many chariots. Oh, really? Okay. I have uh, conquered the highest mountains and the farthest reaches of Lebanon. I have felled in tallest cedars and its choicest cypresses. I have reached its loftiest summit, its finest forest. I have dug wells and, and drunk of foreign waters. With the soles of my feet, I have dried up all Egypt's rivers. Have you not heard how I ordained this thing long ago? How in days of old I planned it? Now I have brought it to pass. You were destined to demolish fortified cities, turning them into heaps of rubble. While this timorous, timorous inhabitants shrank away in confusion, becoming as wild grass, uh, transiently green, or like weeds on a roof that scorched before they grew, grow up. Now I know where you dwell and your comings and goings and how stirred up you are against me. And because of your snortings and bellow, bellowings against me, which have mounted up to your my ears, I will put my rings in your nose and my bit in your mouth and turn you back by the way you came. But to you, this shall be a sign. This is your eat what grows wild. This year, eat what grows wild. And the following year, what springs up of itself. But in the third year, sow and harvest. Plant vineyards and eat their fruit. The remnant okay. Okay. Let's just stop there. So there's a <laughs> there's a lot there, but um, uh, interesting how just in that last verse there he starts giving like uh, gardening instructions, right? Uh, how <laughs> how I wish we would get those same instructions today. Um, you know, do this and this, and then in the second year you'll do this and and that. But um, anyway, it I, I find thirty seven very interesting how it's a like you said the intercessory prayer and then. Uh, kind of instructions like how to, to go through this as we see uh, toward the the very end of it 
Um, I will protect this city and save it for my own sake and for the sake of my, my servant David, uh, that he is reiterating the, uh, the protection clause of the Davidic covenant that they've entered into, that because of all of this, you know, there's, there's lots of symbolism and, and word searches that you can do in uh, that uh, response of the Lord. Um, but he, he's basically just saying, so what if the world's falling apart around you? If you'll just trust me, just trust me. I am your bridegroom and I will save you. Um, if you've never seen the, uh, the movie, it's, it's a Christian movie uh, called uh, Amazing Love, the story of Hosea in the Bible. It is a must watch. It's available on YouTube for like $3.99 or something like that. I can't remember. But it enacts that, that scenario so perfectly how Hosea's wife, Gomer, is just an unfaithful wife. She just keeps going, uh, uh, harlating uh, away from him. And yet, in, in the scene where he buys her back after she's sold as a slave, it, it's just, oh, that's the kind of love that, that God has for us and for those that he covenants with. I mean, he loves us so much. He will... Um, if we'll just trust him, if we'll just love him back, he will protect us. That's the, the whole point of the, the Davidic covenant and the Sinai covenant and Abrahamic covenant. That's why we have covenants is to, um, to learn how to give and receive love and, and express that. I, I love that movie. I can't recommend it enough. Um, but anyway, any kind of final comments and questions or anything about uh, these chapters of Isaiah? It's been kind of a a fun uh interesting conversation just kind of goes wherever i never know where group a or b or c is going to take it but um very interesting uh comments and insights here but anything final before we kind of close out for the night and if not that's totally fine well um we didn't really get to the whole Hezekiah story, did we? Did I miss it? Uh, um, <laughs> so let me kind of pull back to, to some of my notes really quick, just to kind of encapsulate that then. I, I, I don't know. I got distracted when, when Reynolds came by. Anyway, so um, his parents, we talked about his parents. His wife is the uh, daughter of Isaiah. And that whole story is kind of interesting. So in between chapters 37 and 38, um, there's this kind of interlude that's pulled from other scriptures, not in Isaiah, but Isaiah and Hezekiah kind of have this little tip and it's over who's going to visit or call upon each other first. No, I'm going to wait till he comes to me. No, I'm going to wait till he comes to me kind of thing. And so um, with all of this going on with this uh, Sennacherib scenario, um, uh, the Lord needs some, some action. And so he, he smites Hezekiah with the boil and, um, and tells Isaiah, now go and minister to him already, like get over it. <laughs> and so he, he goes and ministers to him and tells him to apply the figs to his eye or not to his eye, to the boil, sorry. And, uh, he'll be healed and he does so. And he's able to uh, intercede with the Lord and uh, gain 15 more years of life, etc. 
but um, it, it's quite the ordeal with with Hezekiah. He's uh, he, he struck nigh unto death because of his intercessory prayer that he does in thirty seven here. Um, he actually takes on all of his constituents or or people's sins and transgressions, and it manifests in this boil uh, because of some of his stubbornness with with uh, the prophet Isaiah, and um, he's nigh unto death. I mean, he he's literally uh, knocking on death's door. Yet um, with the the proper uh, diagnosis and treatment uh, from a prophet, he's able to repent fully and um, pay for the the sins and transgressions of his people i think it's interesting that that imagery there with uh, applying a fig you know uh issues to uh, both uh, christ cursing the fig tree and adam and eve uh, covering themselves with fig aprons um anyway lots of uh, interesting word searches etc i'm going to try to do that with group b uh do the word search on, on figs and stuff um so if you ever want to uh, look on learning zion and uh, watch group b's uh, thing we'll we'll try to do that there because um, that's probably going to take a good 15 20 minutes just that um, but anyway so he has then um, to uh, kind of de defeat this army like how is the lord going to save the israelites from this impending doom and uh, uh, anyway because of his his prayer etc enacting the davidic covenant uh, and and actually being worthy of the the protection clause um the lord sends his destroying angel in uh sennacherib's camp that night and kills all of them uh the ones that aren't killed uh retreat back up to assyria uh, up to nineveh there but um anyway you know the lord fulfills his commandments when when we uh do our end of our covenants he will protect us. And uh, it's going to be, be by means that, that we can't possibly do on our own. Uh, ministering angels, whatever have you, seraphs. Uh, in this case, uh, the angel of the presence goes and, and uh, wipes out the enemy for you. How many times in like the Revolutionary War or uh, in the, the Civil War, etc., we see of miraculous events happening that couldn't have happened any other way except by a Davidic servant offering up an intercessory prayer on behalf of his people and and doing so the lord provides the what does he call it the the pea soup colored fog uh that that saves the uh the people from from that battle there uh there's there's many different miraculous uh uh saving scenarios that, that happen all all through the the inhabitants of the earth when when we're keeping the terms of the covenant um, and then later on, he has Manasseh out of that, uh, that union, and uh, Manasseh grows up to be the worst king ever and kills possibly his father, Hezekiah, but also his, his grandfather, Isaiah, um, which is quite the, the, the sin. I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine uh, living through that time of, of King Manasseh there and warranting the um, the, the Babylonian uh, captivity. Uh, all of that that happens later uh, is because of the, the sins of Hezekiah towards the end of his life and, and King Manasseh. Uh, some, some major garbage there. But anyway, yeah, go for it. It's interesting how when somebody enacts the Davidic covenant, it seems like it takes a lot out of them. Like Hezekiah was nigh unto death. 
because yeah. of what he went through there. But but he does it because of his great love for the people. It takes great love to enact such a thing. But you see it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just interesting. And in studying the prophets, if you'll look at Joseph Smith's life, where and when did he enact the Davidic covenant? How does that look and, and feel in our uh, restoration age? I think that that's a, mm-hmm. a fun deep dive to, to go on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And in other scriptures and stuff. Uh-huh. Well. Yeah, for sure. Joseph Smith's just my favorite one. I love it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, let's see. Anything else on Hezekiah that I missed? There's, there's quite a bit to Hezekiah's story. But all in all, what Isaiah is trying to do here we take the, the ruin and rebirth principle that we studied in the first um, sections, and then we add upon it by taking Ahaz and Hezekiah's example of rebellion and compliance and really fleshing those out. What does that look like when the, the Davidic king keeps the terms of the covenant and what happens when he doesn't? And then the next uh, week, so yeah, next week, we'll be studying about uh, punishment and deliverance. That's the, the next key themes that are brought out here in the literary format, the Bifid structure. Um, but but each uh, part of that, that chiasm is building upon each other um, in order to, like we have to understand what happened before in order to understand where Isaiah is going next and connecting that in. Um, but yeah, yeah, sorry. I, I talk way too much. I'm, I'm so sorry. And I got really distracted when my neighbor came by. <laughs> okay, wait a second. You need to um, point me to Joseph Smith and the Davidic co- Covenant that you said. Where do you, where do you read about that? Um, I, I don't even know. Like uh, the, the specifics where you could just like read it straight out. Um, it really stood out to me when I was reviewing uh, the, the Saints book this last time. We were kind of it, it dabbles in it there, but like Liberty Jail experience, there's a lot of it in that. Um, yeah, I, I haven't found anyone that's just kind of like delineated out, like here's the, the terms of the Davidic covenant kind of thing, but just kind of pondering upon the different uh, things and studying out what Joseph Smith was doing. Um, I would really recommend that that Avraham Begoliati book, the Becoming Kings and Queens of the Gentiles. Um, that, that little read, and um, really understanding what the Davidic covenant is and then applying that to Joseph Smith. Um, I'll, I'll try to, I, I have a couple of days off this week. Let me try to put together some rough format of, of my head, which is gonna be really hard. <laughs> if any of you have seen any of my other videos like family history videos and stuff, oh my awesome. God, like my brain like goes everywhere and I, it takes me hours to like, hone in and simplify so that I can present something that's going to be recorded like that. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm not going to promise anything, but I'm going to try to, to look at the, the Joseph Smith story and like have some different sources. Like, Hey, look at this source for this part of the Davidic covenant versus this and kind of look at some of those things. I don't know. I, I'm biting off a lot this week, but well, I'm going to try to do that. <laughs> look forward to it. So is that all Rodolfo does all day long? He, well, he must. I, I don't even know how his brain works. <laughs> I don't see the time for his kids and stuff. <laughs> but he's such a great guy. I don't know how are you on too? 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm quite Isaiah Institute material. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, I love deep diving into some of this stuff. Like I just can't even follow some of it. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's so many different avenues that he, he goes down. His brain just works so amazingly. Yeah, that was not one of my gifts. <laughs> I neither. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's oh, why I'm the friend you guys. <laughs> yep. that's why i love yeah i love studying in these groups because you get to oh, like, you. hear all of these different so much opinions and stuff so tracy have you been with his group all along and you just joined on sunday nights um cameron you mean yes mm -hmm. um i just met cameron basically through mm -hmm. signs of the second coming i think mm -hmm. Yeah, so we just really met, and then um, through that interview that we did with Annette, um, we just kind of got to know each other, and I was like, she she contacted me first, which was great, because I sometimes have a hard time contacting people, but I, I kept thinking all the time that we were doing that interview, I was like, oh my gosh, Tracy would be just the perfect fit for any of our groups, <laughs> and then uh, when you said that, oh, I want to join like all three when I can, and I'm like, yes! <laughs> I, I want to take the crash course on Isaiah. And I love, I don't know, the experience I had with you. I can tell you're someone very special. So I want to hang out with you a lot. <laughs> saying that to me and I don't get it. <laughs> well, I think your mom okay. does. <laughs> you don't want to get it. Then that's when pride kicks in. So just be humble. That's okay. 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 I'll, yeah. I'll be humble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's been a few times when I don't know this I'll probably edit this part out but like there's been a few times when people have like come to me and they're like you have something important to do and I'm less like well oh, I'm not seeing it I don't know I, I gotta repent I guess I need some Davidic covenant to <laughs> save me from myself <laughs> uh, you're do you're doing it so and you're just getting started I think mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, I'm praying all the time to find out what my mission is and how to help people etc um, this book club was actually a, a huge part of it. Uh, that was very much an inspiration. Um, back when um, I was kind of going through the, the last throes of, of, of the marriage or whatever, that uh, it was just like, you need to get on this book club and you need to do it right now, kind of a thing. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> and, and it's been such a blessing. I have just loved every minute of it. Uh, people keep asking me like, so are you going to like stop after Isaiah or whatever? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I've met so many friends. I don't know how I could. <laughs> I don't know what will still be next exactly, but it's just fun to, to meet other people, you know, because in the small town, you know, sad to say that we're, we're fairly basic in general in, in our gospel understanding. And we just don't like to talk about things uh, in depth like this, but finding other people that just love this and, and crave it and um, will actually put forth effort into studying sometimes. Uh, it's, it's amazing because you know I yeah it just it sometimes <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I mean that towards me sometimes weeks I'm like well I have to moderate a book club but I haven't read the material <laughs> <laughs> yes. do many of the people study Michael Rush's books that are in these groups of yours I have been yeah a little bit just his um Remnant, what is that? The remnant. Oh my god. Remnant shall return. Yeah, that that one. And then I watched his little videos. Mm -hmm. 
What do you think of, do you do it? Can you watch this stuff, Cameron? Do you see his stuff? Do you know who Michael Rush is? Can I do it as far as? Like, no, no, do you know who he is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, everyone has their, their own things and stuff, you know, don't quote me on anything, but like, I agree with probably a good 75, 80% of, of Michael Rush's stuff. Um, James Prout, not so much. <laughs> He's a, a different one. I, um, but, I don't know who that is. Yeah, he's a, another one that I really got Ezekiel. on board with like, the, the Ezra Eagle stuff uh, back when uh, the elections were happening and stuff leading up to those. But um, yeah, I, I, I resonate a lot with this stuff, but there's a couple things that I, I really don't like from, from Michael Rush. But, you know, you know, everyone has their own things. And like, if anyone looks at me and is like, oh, well, Cameron says this, I'm like, oh, <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I find I'm wrong from week to week. Like, case in point last week um when i was talking about emmanuel from from this part or whatever i misquoted from what i had understood of avraham's uh commentary or whatever and i totally got that wrong uh, emmanuel is pointing towards king hezekiah um but uh what avraham was saying was was a little confusing and i, and I misspoke or whatever so i have like uh, a total admiration for people that, that put their writing uh, concrete in a book and for people to, to uh, pull out and uh, pick apart kind of a thing because I don't know if I could do that because I, I learned something and then a month later I learned mm -hmm. I was totally wrong and that uh, it's actually this way kind of a thing. Yeah. Well it just all goes back to the it's just men's word mingled with scriptures we all have to be yeah. careful. Yeah exactly. But yeah, I, I'm grateful for a lot of the stuff that Michael Rush has, has put out and uh, opened my eyes to that I hadn't previously considered. Oh, I know. I'm so awake. Like, I don't know. I The way I got led to all this stuff was just such a, you can tell it was divine because mm -hmm. school shut down. I was just sitting there. Okay, I'm, we're going to be shut down. And I read this Facebook post and it was about the video Fall of the Cabal. So I sat down and read and watched that and I was just like this and then right after that Katie had a friend text her Masa's video and we watched that and we're like oh and we were like awake like wide awake just last week it was March 13th was our shutdown and this was March 15th and we had our time and I'm like okay here we go and so and I've just been crazy. Yeah. Waking yeah. Up. yeah video was the one that was sent to me uh, to it would just wake me up. Like I've always loved studying for the past, I don't know, five, 10 years or whatever. Not 10 years. That's too long. But um, I, I didn't know where to study or anything. Like I wasn't awake at all in, in things. Yeah, he but, just can um, find stuff like crazy. Yeah. He stays uh, up all night doing it. Yeah. My, my friend sent me Moss's video and I watched when that. When was that? When um, were you? It was like the beginnings of April. I could find the actual text where she oh, said it's okay. But yeah, beginnings of April. And I, first of all, I had such a hard time listening to him. I, I think Moss is kind of a condescending tone to his voice. And he does. <laughs> it rubbed me the wrong way, but it was the right way, I guess, in, in the long <laughs> because I had to like sit down and like, overcome my like uh, thing to it that it was like oh my gosh there's so much information here that i've never <laughs> heard before 
and um yeah ever since then so like jody's and then my oh, yeah, jody's just, videos just everything just blossomed in 2020 like i whoa and and i went back and read the uh, abraham book that we did a book club on before isaiah and i just was like i need to like start talking with people i need to be face to face because you just don't get to know people's personality over facebook as well usually people are flippant or uh, you misread how they wrote something and, and don't read it in its right context or attitude. Uh, and so I was just, I need to talk to people face to face. And, and the Lord was like, okay, do it now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very but, cool. It's interesting. I keep inviting people each new semester kind of thing that we do. I, I keep inviting people, but not very many people bite. I, well, a lot of people bite. So I have like a good, like hundred people that said, oh, we want to do Isaiah. But there's only like five or six maybe that, that join in. But it's it's really the people that are striving and and eager to, mm-hmm. to learn and, and are like-minded and stuff. I find it's it's an interesting process running a, a book club. <laughs> I've never done mm-hmm. one before. <laughs> Very interesting. I'll try to study harder so I have more input. <laughs> I'm just like baby steps on this Isaiah stuff for me. Oh man, yeah, I, I highly encourage Isaiah to code it. If you have, have the book, <laughs> yeah. I have the book sitting right you there. Go watch our, our previous uh, discussions on Isaiah Decoded when we went through that. It, it was just so eye opening. I loved every minute of it. When did you go through that? Just right before this one. So, uh, okay. right off the tail of Isaiah Decoded, we started into the actual book of Isaiah. So, uh, okay. when did we start that? April, like right after conference, I think. Okay. Yeah, so all of it's there on the Learning Zion website um, in those courses. We have the, the Abraham one was our first, and then this one. Before that, I do have some like lectures that, that I did here in my hometown that I filmed um, uh, on gospel symbolism, truths on Eden, and uh, chiasmus. Um, okay. Those are just kind of boring lecture style things, but I mean, if, if you're into those, that, that's awesome. Well, I am. My daughter's in institute, and so since it went on zoom i'm always sitting right there listening and yeah. i learn a lot i'm like why don't they do institute for old people right i've tried to get it so many times but they just won't do it they do adult religion classes but it typically uh, is recommended to be taught by a seminary and institute person but i can't mm-hmm. get any of them to teach it and i was like can i teach it and they just keep putting me off and i'm like oh it's probably because i probably couldn't tone my myself down <laughs> on the church library and i've gone through them all with my family i love them they're my favorite they're books so good aren't they those mm-hmm. institute manuals are just yeah i love yeah. them I, yeah couldn't get better, better books so yeah. i didn't study isaiah yet i'm still studying i'm not doing anything else <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all encompassing and and beautiful at the same time um yeah i don't think i could watch anything on tv again that's put out by hollywood or me i I have issues with music even i do too oh my gosh yeah that was one of the hardest things because with covid uh the lord kind of took away my my internet business and led me to go work in construction with my brother and the music we listen to, oh my gosh, I, he, he's doing better, but it, it's, there's still some days we have to, to listen to the hard thumping music. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I, I sometimes if, 
if I'm, it's not a day where I have to be listening to measurements and, and cut patterns, etc., then I'll put in my earbuds and listen to Avraham or uh, any scriptures or whatever. But, but some days I'm just like, man, how, how did I live in Babylon so long? <laughs> oh, no. We yeah. had a purge last summer. We cut off our cable and we just hauled every, like we hauled away all of our Christmas decorations. My yeah. family thinks I've gone crazy. Oh my gosh. You did that too, Laura? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Christmas. Christmas. Did you guys do it? Yeah. Uh -huh. was it? Was it weird the first Christmas? Yeah. It was weird for me too, but it was good. Yeah. But my, uh, my other kids don't get it. And they think I'm crazy. Absolute Looney Tunes. But when you, when you see all of the stuff in Christmas in the, the Babylon idolatry scenario, it's just like, I can't go back. I can't. I'm sorry. I was, yeah. I was actually talking to my state president about it last Tuesday. I was, I'm going to do a BYU Pathways missionary. But I was telling him about it and he's like, oh, that's too much. And I said, no, you need to do it too. And I'm like, oh, dear. Oh, yeah. Some fun part ready for it, but yeah. gosh, yeah, sports and, and Christmas are the hardest things for our community and our family to, to do. Oh, I know. Well, I watch, like, you can see what everybody does on Sunday. They go get on the couch and watch their sports. That's their golden calf, and they don't even know it. A sister asked me today, Why do we why do we recognize the Sabbath on Sunday? It's supposed to be on Saturday. And she was just beside herself. She's like, how, how come? How come we do this? I said, well, just think about the, the church in the beginning. If they would have added that and taken Christmas away, everybody would just like, they would have never been able to do it. Yeah. Already so much. Mm -hmm. said, oh, and I said, well, she goes, what do we do? And I said, well, why don't you just celebrate this, or honor or respect or recognize the Sabbath from Friday night until, you know, Sunday at midnight. Just you have your own Sabbath all weekend. And she's like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And so yeah. I told her, I said, all the Jewish holidays are our holidays, but we can't focus on those things because we already have too much. There's just not enough room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was another realization. Because like the Christmas, I, I was first on board with Halloween. I've never liked it. It's always been a, a weird one for me. But Christmas was, was that big change and stuff. And mm -hmm. then I got looking and I was like, are any of our holidays approved? Like, oh my gosh, we're all pagan. They are. <laughs> it, it was crazy. Yeah. It was blowing my mind. We, I was like, even our calendar is. Like, our calendar is lunes, monthly. Like, yes. Well, last year when we were throwing out all of our books, my daughter, we were throwing away Harry Potter. And because we worshipped Harry Potter. And she's like, yeah. you're throwing away my childhood. I said no. I love that I'm she's just muted. She's just like, you, I, I'm not a part of this conversation. You have to throw your own away. I didn't, I didn't throw it away. I made her make her own decision, but she's okay with it now. But it was so sad. She's like, I mean, because we did so many things. Yeah, like I, I can't play Quidditch anymore. What are you talking about? Yeah. Midnight release at the bookstore, and there would be hundreds of people waiting to get the Harry Potter golden, you know. Uh, yeah, very hard. 
so that's, that, that's just an incredible journey right there to, to, to be recent converts but also not to be just recent converts but like full in like way more than most of our membership interesting well and that's a lot of people kind of poo-poo me because oh you're so new like my sister does this and mm. when we were having a talk she she lives in utah and she ropes and rodeos a lot and they do it on Sunday a lot. So I was kind of talking to her about it and she, and she makes a lot of money. So that's her thing. But we were talking about, you know, stopping doing that. And she says, well, I'm roping with a Bishop and he's, he's okay with it. Cause he's got his counselors running, you know, he's off that day. And I'm like, Oh, I can't even help you. There's no way I can even help you. You're, yeah. you've justified it. And yeah, and there's no point in even like battling that out. I mean, I mean it's I just know. like, okay, whatever. You know, like when you're ready, come talk to me. I'll, I'll help you through it, you know, but. <laughs> I know. Oh, but man. they kind of poo poo me because I'm, nah, you're too, no, you don't know anything. You just barely came back. You'll, you you'll get the rope. Of it. You don't know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll pray for you. Yep. I don't need you to pray for me. <laughs> You're more than welcome to come right out the tribulations in my house when, when it all falls apart. You know, just <laughs> Well, they say they're going to come get me. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to work that way. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. It is interesting. Sorry, I hijacked it. Oh, no, I, I, I was just thinking, man. The, the last half hour after Isaiah is before the prime time. <laughs> That's some good. <laughs> I'm just happy to talk to some other people who've thrown away holiday stuff. And... I know because that's not all of our groups. Like you'll notice um, group C, uh, they still have a hard time with, with some of that stuff. Group B pretty much and, and group A, but group C, oh. they're, they're my fun group, but um, they sometimes have a hard time with Babylon. Okay. When were you baptized? What's that? When were you baptized? Well, I was baptized as an eight-year-old, but then I apostatized for 40 years. Wow. So, and I came back um, at the end of 2017, I started coming back. And what then, brought you back? Yeah, what month, by the way? What month? Oh, so many things brought me back. There was a million whisperings in it finally came to a head but what brought me back was I wanted a bucket list thing I was going to read the bible and so in 2017 I was reading the bible I also had some nephews on missions and so I was reading their weekly report and there was a little friend of my daughter's who was on a mission so I was I had a lot of that kind of stuff I was reading scripture in their missionary weekly letters so there was that there's just so many little things. And then my nephew got married and I was at the Manti temple and I was just outside of it. And, oh, I could tell big time then. So that was August, 2017. And then uh, November, 2017, I was at the pool with a friend who's a member. And I don't know, we just had a talk after the pool. We were doing aerobics and I just started crying and I'm like, I think I need to come back. And she said, yeah, come back. And so I, I was afraid to, cause everybody in town knows me, knows who I was. And it was just hard. 
And so I went back to church the first Sunday in December 2017, and I have not missed a Sunday. I think I missed one or two Sundays when we went to Yellowstone one summer, but I don't miss. Mm -hmm. How did so, you stay away for 40 years? What kept you away? Oh, I was a lesbian. <laughs> so I... Um, just was in another life. I, I was in another religion. I still was very faithful. I was in the Presbyterian church. So I was an elder in that church, a leader in that church. But I always could tell it was so hollow. Like every prayer was some colorfully worded out of a book prayer. And I don't know, my daughter was raised in that church and she came out of it and she didn't believe in God at all. She was totally an atheist. And so, and plus I'd raised her to be super anti-Mormon because <laughs> there's a whole nother story about all that. <laughs> um, I have an uncle who is a Baptist minister. And so he'd done a lot of research about the derfy Mormons and all of the heinous things that happened back in pioneer days. And so there was that. Um, my family was heavily involved in the Mountain Meadow Massacre. And so there's just a lot of terrible things, you know. Um, and I had to gain a new testimony of Joseph Smith because I, boy, did not have that. I was, I would actually, there'd be investigators and I'd actually go talk them out of it, you know. And, and now they've all apostatized. Anyway, so I, I have that on my head. And so, you know, oh, lots of stuff that I was not a good person. Did you make it through seminary then? Did you go through seminary? I did. I'm, my family wasn't active. Um, they were kind of the drive you to church, dump you off type of family. Um, but they grew up in very strong Mormon LDS families. But my mom and dad were, my dad was pretty abusive to my mom and they're still married. They've been married for 63 years. Um, my mom's a saint. She stood by all that. But now my papa's got dementia and he's starting to get kind of a cranky dementia. That's a nice way to put it. And so it's hard to watch all this stuff and know what to do to help people. And, and I don't have a lot of credibility because of my 40 years of track history, you know, so people don't really. I think, that is, I think that's something big. So I wouldn't discard that at all. Yeah, I don't. I, I know, I know, but it's just hard. It's always been so hard being so out, so as I came out as a lesbian, okay, you're, you're discounted from your family and all your friends growing up because you're so different. Then when I had my daughter, she's an artificial insemination baby. Still, you're out. You're not in any of the mommy groups. You just don't fit. You go to church, you don't fit. You don't have the, the normal, you know, mold. So... At school, I'm a teacher. I don't fit because I'm just so different in so many levels. 
But I don't know, here I still am, <laughs> trudging along. So, so nice to meet you, Tracy. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. What do you, what do you teach? A special education teacher. So there's a whole nother thing to all that. Like I'm tutoring a little girl this summer and I, I've been tutoring her for many years. I taught her as a special ed student. She has autism and she didn't know how to read until I got her and I taught her how to read, but now all she wants to read is Harry Potter. And I'm like, have you heard of Michael Vay books? Have you read the Michael Vay books? No, I haven't. They're written by a member of the church. Um, and it's a light and dark kind of story, but it's really good. I don't know what I'm gonna do. She's always very entranced with Wizard of Oz, Alphaba, everything she loves is about a witch. And what I'm seeing with my students is as they transition over to high school, they're all becoming Wiccan and all becoming transgender and the culture that's even in these very small rural schools here in Oregon is can just see what's happening with Babylon just marching down messing with our kids and so like I had one of my students he was telling me his sister is a witch but he can't talk about it I said well you can talk about it with me and so I still minister to him he's like I don't know I don't think I believe in Jesus I'm like yes you do keep believing in Jesus I mean I still can affect a little bit of influence there to help those poor little sweeties because they're being so pulled by satan it's it breaks my heart it's hard as i have a, i have a hard life <laughs> yeah but that's that's all part of what we learned from isaiah you know with isaiah decoded and stuff like it's because of those descents that we can can really ascend exactly to our ministry the, levels that the lord needs us on the descents. Yep. Wow, these are some hard times. Lots of different, difficult. Oh, boy, they are. I well, I look at my daughter. She's a recent convert, 2018, and she has been baptized near a lot of other kids, and they've they've just they fall away so fast. The new converts, and it's it's scary. I I don't know how I've helped her but she's doing very well mm -hmm. I took her to the temple a lot that's probably one thing I did is I took her to the temple at least once a month and she did um, her first year she she baptized over 500 people yeah. and everybody's oh, like oh, how do I'll you do keep someone on the path I'm like you go to the temple a lot and you go to church all the time and family prayer and you read your scriptures and she's doing super well yeah. but all of her friends they're so asleep and yeah uh, it's scary that's scary how old is your daughter uh she's 20 let's see how old are you she's here this is katie right here whoops um i just lost my screen She's 26. I always forget. I want to keep her little. 
I, I forget my age all the time. <laughs> like, uh, something around there. So we have a son that was born in 94 and he's just turned 27. Uh, he's our, our oldest and our youngest is 14. Yeah. I just have one kiddo. I, I, I can see that you have a great mission ahead of you, Tracy. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, your story. Okay. I'm, I get scared. My blessing says, yes, you've been through many trials, but I, it says I have many, many more. It says, basically, my trials will increase in intensity and... Did you receive uh, your blessing after your re-baptism? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I'm, I'm scared. I'm like, at first I was so mad. I'm like, that's not fair. But it's because Heavenly Father loves me and knows that I can go through this. And, and I'm like, I signed up for this. Yeah, my blessing says uh, pretty much the same thing, but I got it when I was like 13 or 14 or whatever. And oh my gosh, it scared me. I left the church. I was like, I'm not having any of that kind of stuff that's been prophesied. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> but then coming back around, it's like, okay, yeah, I got this. I can handle it. And uh, yeah, I always look at it as like, okay, I'm in the tribulations and I'm going to be that lady that's put in a prison and, you know, raped and I just that's the part that I don't want to do <laughs> you know I don't know my head goes forward and I then I start envisioning what it'll be so I can be ready for it <laughs> and then sometimes it's like, it makes me crazy <laughs> I <get> away from... <laughs> like, really can I do this <laughs> and then my daughter's blessing is all happy and I'm <laughs> like I'm obviously not going to be anywhere near you. <laughs> I, I don't want to get separated from her. And I've always told oh, her. That would be the hardest. I think I'm preparing all this stuff for you. So come here so you know where all this is. Yep. <laughs> you know, all these weird things that I feel prompted to buy. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this isn't for me. This is for you. So here it is. And, and I always like... You know, you just wonder how it will all go down and <laughs> yep. who you'll be and what you'll be stuck with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what's been really interesting about Isaiah and the Davidic covenant, etc. And really learning through all of the different times that bad things have happened to covenant keepers throughout the scriptures, you know, like with Alma and Ami, like, you know, watching the women and children die or, or whatever kind of thing. It's like... Oh, okay. I'm starting to see these in, in new and meaningful ways. And, and how does that lead into the tribulations, et cetera, and the things that we're going to be facing? Uh, I, I find such great comfort in, in the Book of Mormon uh, throughout uh, some of this Isaiah learning. I think that the Book of Mormon is a huge key to, to gaining some of that peace and some of that, like, oh, okay, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be. I, I know I can do it. It's just. I think about it too much and I don't think about the joyful things enough. One of my scariest things is that we're probably not going to have internet and we're not going to have our Zoom groups to talk to. Nope, <laughs> it's going to be we're kind not. Oh, <laughs> sad. Yeah, that's going to for sure be night-night. Mm -hmm. uh, our trials are, are tailor fit for us and the Lord's not going to give us something that we can't handle. It's going to be yeah. 
Well, parts where it says that, you know, we're going to eat our children and kill our children. And do you guys, that freaks me out. Like, we as, we don't have to be a part of that. Right. I know people get to that point. Right. I'd rather just die. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, is we've already, now here I go, conspiracy theorists on you all. <laughs> So I don't know how far down rabbit holes you go, but um, so we quit eating fast food because you find out there's human meat in all of the fast foods and there's human, like um, in all of our foods, there's human DNA in every food you could name that's a big company, they're involved <laughs> So, I don't know, it's just, this is another part where my family are like, okay, you are crazy. I'm like, no, I'm not. I read and seen, I know what the chemical is called in the Oreos. Don't eat those. Don't eat McDonald's ever. I mean, it's in everything. So just eat real food and know where it comes from. That's basically what you have to do now. Huh. It's frightening. Yeah. And nobody even knows it. Nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> it's crazy. Have you gone down those rabbit holes? I have not went down those rabbit holes. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have. <laughs> I'm giving up Oreos. Yeah, Oreos. <laughs> uh, there's nothing you can have anymore. Like I was even looking at potato chips and Lay's. They're evil, but they, they put just, they've made it into a flavoring now. And that's why we've become so addicted to certain foods. Like, why can't I stop eating these things? Think about the Word of Wisdom, Section 89, conspiring men, conspiring men. And that's where I got rid of all those. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. And I, read what you... I get the limited meat, and now I can totally see why. Mm -hmm. It's because there's so much human meat mixed in. Like, you like you saw our chicken what was it a couple years ago our slaughterhouses take our chickens but then it's shipped to china to be processed you know and then it's sent back well that's totally stupid but now it totally makes sense to me like oh okay i know what they're doing to it now but it's it's way more evil than we have even imagined so fruit in the season thereof Think about where we get at the supermarket. I mean, you, get, you could get peaches all year long. Right. They're not grown. You don't know where they're grown. You don't know where they're right. Grown. You don't yeah. know what to do with them. Yep. Um, it's unbelievable. Just I, I've even thought, like I always try to, like I say, think of what's going to happen and. I think about, okay, so Abraham and Isaac, are, are we going to be asked, like, people come to our doors, and if we don't denounce Christ, they'll take your kiddos away, you know? Mm -hmm. It's, that's my, where my head always goes, that's why I get so freaked out here and there, but what a year and a half it's been just... Yeah. Learning, learning all these process. things. It's 
you go through a cognitive dissonance of no, that can't be true, but it is. And not very many people, at least around me, know about it. My daughter does. And she rolls her eyes a little bit, but <laughs> she's, I, I'll show her the proof, you know, because everything you think you know, you don't know. Our history's backwards. Yeah, you can't um, I know when I teach my students, there's certain stories. I'm like, well, even certain stories about the Revolutionary War. I'm like, I can't teach that anymore. That did not happen that way. And but our books are still written that way. And so I have to be super careful. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It is crazy. But I know I'm on the right track. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Just you guys have been wonderful. What a blessing to hear your story. And oh my gosh. So I um I went to the temple the first time. Um I was 20. I was sealed to my first husband in the temple. And there was some issues about him not being able to wear his wedding clothes and it was when we could wear a wedding dress and he was giving me grumpy looks and had a little argument with temple staff you know before you know the temple workers before we went into the session and when I came out of that temple experience um in the in this in the endowment room it was pressed on me this is true how can anybody come here and not come back and it took me 10 years to make it back from that day so I'm grateful for that um, that was a, a tough 10 years of inactivity and, you know, just, but you learn and you understand and you learn to appreciate. And um, I was in the ceiling room and he had told me that he had engraven something in our, in my wedding band. And I looked at it and it wasn't there. But before that, when I walked into the ceiling room, I got really sick and the sisters took me out and they sat me down and they gave me water. And the impression was just leave. You can leave. You can leave. You can leave. And I have nowhere to go. No one, my mother wasn't there. There wasn't anybody there. Um, she didn't like him and they weren't invited. I mean, this was a really bad situation. And it took me through five years of hell with this, this lunatic. This, you mm -hmm. know, I learned so much from it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm grateful for your story, Tracy and Cameron, the things that you've been through. And I'm sure, darling, oh my gosh, to have gone through what you've gone through too, this little pieces that I hear. Um, I appreciate sharing this time with you on my head. For sure. Yeah, sometimes we just can recognize goodness, goodness in another person, but we don't know what they've been through and stuff. I, I, <laughs> just just the, the, the few of us that are on tonight or whatever, it's like, wow, I, I, I'm just amazed how we've all made it on the other side and uh, we've all taken wildly different journeys, but these descents are all for our ascent and, and look at our future missions. Like we're, we're just gonna be, uh, this this brotherhood of suffering, you know, that uh, Elder Holland uh, kind of calls it. That you know, we're we're what the Lord is working with in order to um, bring up a an, an army for for these last days and stuff. And how glad I am to be yoked with all y'all. <laughs> yeah, I was actually looking at my family tree because I my grandma Durfee's mom was a Briggs. And I was tracing back to see, we've got to be cousins though, for sure. Yeah. 
yeah, in the town just next to us, uh, it's all derfies. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if somewhere, somewhere on on that tree, they should bring some derfie. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna be super cousins for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we were close with our cell phones so we could use the app to see. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can do like relative finder. I should do that with all of our groups. Um, Oh, that would be fun. That's right. You can do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that before. I should do that. I think we did that in Moss's group. I don't know. One of the groups we did it, and I was like cousins with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> there was not very many I wasn't related to. In fact, all of the missionaries that come through here, I do it because I'm a ward missionary, so I'm pretty close with them all. And uh-huh. I have been related to everyone. When one will come from the East Coast, I'm like, okay, this one, no way. No, they're all related. It's weird. <laughs> all the California ones. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I love doing family history work and everything. Oh, I do too. I spend a lot of time, but I'm not as cool as you are, Cameron. I want to be cool like Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because of my callings. It's not because of anything. I <laughs> but, yeah. you're, you're amazing. Darling, you have an awesome son. I know. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> it's funny because you know I think everyone has kind of uh, a buddy system somewhat or whatever with with learning and stuff I mean my mom's definitely mine we talk each other off the ledges all the time <laughs> that's cool I'm I'm jealous <laughs> <laughs> oh mother we had quite an interesting trip before this class <laughs> oh we always do yep, every Sunday <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, crazy how well, the Thank you for chatting <laughs> yeah. one more time. <laughs> yeah, it's been super fun. All right, well, we will see everyone next week. We're at, in six minutes when the next class <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably just going to hang around because I need all the IZ I can load into the brain. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all. I'm going to end the, the session. You'll have to rejoin so that the recording sure. stops. Okay. Yeah, we'll see everyone. Bye. <laughs> Have a great week.